WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. Drew Brees set the all-time NFL record for passing yards last night. Is Drew Brees really one of the best quarterbacks of all time? Probably not. Drew Brees is very good and a definite Hall of Famer. But don't go totally by the numbers. Carson Palmer, Vinny Testaverde, and Drew Bledsoe rank 12, 13, and 14 in lifetime passing yards. No one anywhere following football ranks Palmer, Testaverde, and Bledsoe numbers 12, 13, and 14 among all-time best quarterbacks. Kerry Collins is 17. Dave Krieg is 21. The top 10 in terms of passing yards, that's rarefied error, but a lot depends on the era. Warren Moon is number 9, but he was a run-and-shoot pioneer. Otto Graham threw for 23,500 yards on his career, which is about 47,000 yards less than Breeds. But Graham won 7 championships in 10 seasons. I just don't put Breeze in a class with Brady, Marino, Montana, Unitas, Peyton Manning, and Favre. Nor Otto Graham, for that matter. Pert near, but not plump. Like I said, so much has to do with era and longevity. Breeze has played 18 seasons in an era where the league morphed into almost all passing, all the time, and the rules have been frequently tweaked to facilitate that. Style comes into the debate, too. How often has Tom Brady thrown the ball down the field? The NFL has a lot of good young quarterbacks now. Rookie quarterbacks went 4-0 this past weekend. You're not even allowed to tackle the quarterback anymore. If Patrick Mahomes plays 18 years, let's see what his numbers are. He might throw for 100,000 yards and retire without a scratch or a bruise on him. Barry's Wear Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping to build the right way since 1956. I happened to watch uh, a little bit of the game last night, and I saw when Breeze set the record. And, like, they brought him out there and gave him a piece of paper. What the freak was that? It was like a laminated piece of paper. I think he had to sign it to verify that the ball he set the record with was indeed the ball they had. But couldn't they do that later as opposed to presenting him with a piece of paper on national TV? And they stopped the game. They stopped the game and brought his family out there and everyone hugged him and they had a presentation. Don't stop the game. Play the game. Have the hugs and kisses between quarters or at the end of the game, but don't stop the game. Play the game. People turned on the TV to see the game. 412-333-9797. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I didn't know this. When the Saints celebrated Drew Brees' record-setting throw, the refs threw a flag for taunting. That sums up the NFL right there. That is the NFL in 2018. Let's go to Jeff and Butler. Jeff, you're on with the Super Genius. How are you, Mark? Good. Hey, uh, a couple quick questions about Murray. Number one, what do you think the, think the defense will tighten up now that he's hurt? And number two, if it's long-term, 
what do you think the Penguins' plans will be? I think the defense needs to tighten up whether Matt Murray's hurt or not. Uh, I don't think Matt Murray covered himself in glory in the first two games, and uh, regardless of who or what was at fault, whether Murray or the defense or the forwards not getting back or having defensive commitment, uh, 11 goals is still too many goals. It's 11 goals. Uh, as far as the long-term plan, if Murray isn't able to return, I don't know. But until we know Murray's not able to return, I, I mean, what kind of time frame are you talking about? Uh, a couple months. I don't think it's going to be a couple months. It hasn't been a couple months when he's been concussed before, correct? Right, but his history isn't getting any better. Oh, no. Three concussions and eight injuries since his career started in December 2015. That is very worrisome, but I don't think you can say you're going to change your long-term plan just yet. Anyway, what long-term plan could they go to? You tell me. I don't know. That's why I'm calling you. Well, I don't think they're going to trade for a goalie as long as it looks like Murray's going to come back. Last year they went and got a veteran backup, and he was arguably the worst goalie they've had in years, Antti Niemi, who went to Montreal and has been doing okay ever since. You know why? You don't need to win in Montreal. Just got to kind of show up and kind of compete, at least for now, while they're rebuilding. Thank you for the call. Let's go to RJ and Glenshaw. RJ, you're on with Double M. Hey, what up, man? What up, man? Hey, uh, just want to call, and what you said in the last segment there, I took a lot of flack on this last night saying that I would take Brett Favre over Drew Brees. I know Drew Brees is a very, very good quarterback. Yes, he's thrown for the most yards, but uh, like you said, it's a product of the era and the way the defenses are played. I just think there are guys who are way better than him that threw for less yards. What say you? I don't know about way better. I personally would take Favre over Drew Brees, but I think it's a very tight decision. And I think it depends on what you want from your quarterback. Do you want that 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 uh, on the cuff create off the cuff creativity, that uh, experimental kind of gunslinging quarterback that Favre played, or do you want a ruthless technician, which is what Drew Brees is? Drew Brees colors inside the numbers, but does it about as good as any quarterback in recent memory. But I myself would take Favre, although uh, correct me if I'm wrong, RJ, but. Uh, each only has the one Super Bowl ring, right? Uh, correct. So I might take Ben Roethlisberger. Let's go to R- Regina in Greensburg. Uh, Regina, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. Uh, great to hear you. Do you think that the fact that Drew Brees plays in a dome makes a major impact on his yardage? We didn't always play in a dome. San Diego didn't have a dome during the first five years of his career when he played there, and he put up huge numbers there as well. Uh, okay, well, I was just wondering what you're No, I, I, no, no. I, I think any quarterback who plays his home games in the dome for a lengthy part of his career, like Drew Brees, like Peyton Manning in Indianapolis, is going to reap the reward from that. His numbers will be higher because of that, but I don't think egregiously higher. I don't okay. think I don't think a dome made Drew Brees the all-time passing leader, but I think Drew Brees became the all-time passing leader because he took advantage of the good conditions in the dome. He still had to complete those passes. Well, thank you. I wondered what your opinion was, and that's great. Thank you. Bow, 
I love Sabbath. The time changes in their songs. Just the songwriting's brilliant. I'm going to see Ozzy uh, Saturday, like I said a couple uh, yesterday. Ozzy needed hand surgery, and he uh, canceled a few shows at California, but he's resuming his tour Saturday in Las Vegas, Touchwood. So hopefully I will get to see it. Who's in the band? Uh, Zach Wilds on guitar. Uh, the guy who drummed for Sabbath in the comeback tours, uh, Tommy Kluftos. He's on drums. Blasco, this guy Blasco's on bass. I think Rick Wakeman's kids on keyboards, Adam Wakeman. So Ozzy always has a solid band. Let's face it, he's not Pavarotti. He's not the best singer. But, but he sings those songs well. Plus, people say I'm nuts when I say this. I saw the Sabbath tour, the comeback tours, I think three times. I saw them in Philadelphia. I saw them at the Garden. And I saw them, I think, in Vegas. I think I saw it three times. And I like Ozzy's solo shows better because he still plays the Sabbath song solo, but he plays his whole songbook. And to be blunt, instead of hearing some Sabbath song I never heard of, I'd rather hear, like, you know, I Don't Know or Over the Mountain. Although I will take Iommi over Zach Wilde as a guitar player. To play those Sabbath songs, yes, absolutely. 412-333-9939. If you're just tuning in, how could you just be tuning in? Because the Antonio Brown story is running wild, brother. TMZ says that A.B., threw furniture off the balcony of his 14th floor apartment in Florida in April, almost hit a grandpa and a 22-month-old toddler, gave the cops and security a hard time when they showed up. There is video from security cam. It looks like uh, A.B. Was, was upset because he alleges somebody stole 80 k and a gun from his apartment the day before. And then the next day, he said his Rolls Royce had been stolen. But when the cop showed up, he said, oh, I found it and slammed the door in their faces because people often misplace their Rolls Royce. Damn, where the hell's the Rolls Royce, Helen? Was here just a second ago. If you owned a Rolls Royce or, you know, some car that bent, you know, Bentley, I think AB had that. Bentley on loan, painted black and gold up at Steelers Camp a couple years back. If you own a car like that, wouldn't you have to have a garage to park it in? You don't think AB parks his rolls on the street in Miami, do you? No way. Nobody would do that. Except maybe AB. AB should have got the Rolls Royce, put it like in the freight elevator, gone to the 14th floor, and driven it off the balcony. 10590X. DX at 105.9. Here's a tweet from Bill. Quote, I agree with Mark Madden that Antonio Brown needs therapy, but he's not going to do it. Maybe an intervention, but that would go like Brockmire's intervention. The, the two best interventions on TV ever. I got to rate the Brockmire intervention as number two. The number one intervention was on The Sopranos. It was Christopher Moltisanti's intervention. 
which ended him with him calling his mother an effing whore and everyone in the room beating him up and I believe fracturing the orbital bone under his eye. Uh, that's good stuff. I do think Antonio Brown does need therapy. He does need psychiatric help. He does need to talk to somebody. And I'm not dismissing that as something that couldn't be true, shouldn't be true. I mean, a lot would say he's rich beyond his wildest dreams. What's he have to worry about? Well, believe me, mo' money, mo' problems. I think Antonio Brown, for a 30-year-old guy who wants to do everything he wants to do when he wants to do it, I think he has too many kids, for one thing. I don't think he likes all that responsibility. Um, I think the fact that he's not a star this year in terms of the numbers he's put up, I think that worries him. I think Juju Smith-Schuster doing better, that worries him. I think being closer to the end of his career than the middle, that worries him. Being very near the end of his prime, I would bet absolutely worries him. And I think this stuff with the furniture and wrecking the apartment and the uh, stupidity with the cops and misplacing a Rolls Royce, I think that's all just acting out. And just to recap, look at what AB's done just this year by way of distraction and chaos. Never mind the Facebook Live stuff after that playoff game, showing up Landry Jones during a game, all that crap. Just this year, he called Ed Bush out of the post because he had a racist and said he makes stuff up. He physically threatened to harm Jesse Washington, who wrote a story about A.B. for the Undefeated website. He showed up five hours late to see sick kids. He skipped a day of meetings. He did a briefing with the news media the week he missed that meeting, and I said at the time it was a cry for help. Every time Antonio Brown talks to the media, it's either big smile because things went good or poor, poor, pitiful me because things went bad. Uh, He is manic depressive, and uh, he needs to get help. He yelled at Fickner, the offensive coordinator, on the sideline, and now you've got these lawsuits. That's all in one year. Okay, Heinz Ward was kind of a pain in the ass. But he didn't cause as much distraction in his entire career as A.B. causes in an average month during his. It's just too much. It's too much to process. It's too much to fathom. Too much to deal with. I think the reason Ben and A.B. aren't on the same wavelength, that the Wi-Fi ain't combinate like it was, and this is me maybe digging too deep and... I can't get inside Ben's mind and tell him he's thinking something he doesn't even know he's thinking, but I think there's a disconnect because Ben's tired of all the trouble Antonio Brown's cost and made the team and playing football a lot less fun for him. Again, I'm just guessing, thinking out loud here. And if you're mad at that guy because he's making you more miserable than you want to be, maybe psycho somatically those balls don't fly as straight they're not psychosomatically is not the right word but you get my drift those balls are off target for a reason ben doesn't even know about subconsciously there it is 
Let's go to Jeff on the road. Jeff, you're on with double I'm A. Coming back. Should I? What's that? What should I say then? You're on the air. I don't know. And he hung up because he apparently didn't know what to say. Let's go to Jeff in Harrisburg. Jeff, you're on with the super genius. Hey, what's up, Mark? You called the right Jeff this time. Okay. Uh, I just want to talk about, I think that chick earlier called about Drew Brees passing the dome. Most of his career was on to something. His his numbers are drastically different from San Diego to New Orleans in the Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, dome. but he was a very young quarterback at, at San Diego, too. And he did well Patrick at San Mahomes. Diego. He just got better. Patrick Mahomes is a very young quarterback. He's doing well. Does young have to do with anything? Well, I, it's it's really good to be young if you're talented and you're not allowed to tackle the quarterback and you have a, a, an unbelievable array of weapons at your disposal. I mean, are you comparing Patrick Mahomes to Drew Brees right now? No, I'm just saying you can be young and still be a good quarterback. Yeah, and then again, there's the long haul, which is the most important process of proving how good you are at anything. Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, they definitely had somewhat of an advantage. You have to admit, playing under a dome. I'm pretty sure I said that just moments ago. Anything else? Yeah, you said he put up massive numbers with San Diego. His massive numbers. No, I said he put up good numbers at San Diego and then got better when he went to New Orleans. I don't understand the point of your call. You haven't really established any truths on your part or done anything original or interesting, and you just appear to try to be combative with me in some wimpy way. Look, if it makes it easier, everything you said is right, everything I said is wrong. We done now? Sure. Good, good call. Good stuff. That that guy, every time he came to a, like a different turn, he just said, oh, and you're wrong about this. Oh, and you're wrong about that. You know what I'm not wrong about? Only one of us got paid for that conversation. Up next... He is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media. It's Stan Saver. Don't forget, all-time Penguin great, Paul Coffey, at 5.30 here on the home of the Penguins, 105.90X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Are you saying that because you know it'll make me make fun of you? Yes, I love you, Mark. But I'll be quite blunt, Slapnuts. The X at 105.9. Joining me now, he is the godfather of the Pittsburgh sports media, we welcome to the program Stan Saverin. Stan, what about this latest Antonio Brown drama? It never stops. No, the thing that surprised me about him, of all the stupid things that he's done and said, he has never been in trouble with the law that I know of anyway. Um, so this is a step in a different direction uh, for him. Uh, who knows you know, what went on and you know, who knows what happened. Um, I was talking to somebody today and said hey, people are – thinking about I don't know um I, I don't know I don't know what to, I don't know what to say um I, I don't Well I the don't... point is Stan uh, a lot of people say this happened but you you're right who knows if it has any merit I think it does but I don't like the guy so I'm going to say that In fact I want it to be true cuz it's something to talk about But by the same token it's always something with this guy I mean that can't be denied No it is and and um you know some of the stuff um, is relative to the team is, and I'll put this in quotes, Mark, harmless, don't misunderstand me. Um, as I've said before, uh, I don't care what he does. Uh, my job is to uh, comment, analyze, offer thoughts and opinions on how the team performs and how individuals perform. That doesn't mean I condone 
actions of people that I personally find um, offensive, even if they don't affect me. It doesn't affect me. Um, I just, okay, um, if it affects the team, to me, that's within the realm of my responsibility. If I think it has an effect on how the team performs, like that Facebook post, <clears throat> then I weigh in. Um, this is a criminal, uh, this uh, potentially, allegedly, is a, cr- a criminal activity. Um, I don't condone that, but does it fall within the realm? I mean, I don't spend weeks, hours, seconds worrying about it. Yeah, but I think it's come to the point where even if people are Antonio Brown fans, it's time to recognize the guy has a problem. And Stan, I think Antonio Brown needs therapy. I really do think he's a troubled individual, and I think that manifests itself more every day. That that news conference he had uh, the week he missed the meetings, I thought that was a cry for help. It might have been. Um, I won't go so far as to um, talk about anybody else's mental health. Um, they probably questioned mine, you know, come to think of it. Um, I, I saw this theory. I actually was talking with someone um, today at the Steelers facility, and for whatever he is and whatever he isn't, um, Antonio Brown, by and large, um, has kind of a bright countenance to him. I mean, he's silly, um, and, you know, I wouldn't want to be hanging out with him. But in general, um, you know, he has a smile on his face generally. But this season, for whatever reason, he looks sullen. He had that thing with Ed Bouchette, which, of course, was completely ridiculous. Um, he ripped at the media for paying attention to him, too much attention uh, when he shows up to training camp in a helicopter. Um, you know, I, he said after the game Sunday about his uh, the completion percentage between Ben and him, and he made it seem like the media was trying to drive a wedge between Ben and A.B., which is ridiculous. They're pointing out that their completion percentage hasn't been as great in the past. My point is, is that he seems sullen this year, more so, I think, than I've ever seen him or heard him. And I'm just wondering if this incident happened two months ago, if he's not carrying that with him. Uh, James Conner was very good on Sunday, Stan. Does that change how the Steelers approach what to do with Le'Veon Bell? I think it alters their thinking. Um, I think that they're now convinced uh, that, that they possibly could get to their goal, which I don't know if it's possible anymore. Uh, they win in Cincinnati, of course. The narrative changes a great deal. Uh, I think that they're probably, Mark, more convinced that Connor can do some of, but not all of, the things that Le'Veon Bell can do. James Connor has been very good. He, was, he surprised me Sunday in his performance, not necessarily in the numbers, but if you saw, he made a lot of people miss tackles. Now, maybe it's the weight he lost in the offseason, maybe stronger and better shape, but he's always been considered like a downhill one-cut guy. One cut, boom, there he goes. He made a lot of people miss in the open field. Now, that is Atlanta's defense. It's not very good, be that as it may. I think that now the Steelers, if they got an offer for Bell that was really appealing, they would strongly consider it. And we know, or we think we know, that a couple of weeks ago that they were soliciting offers, which apparently hadn't been the case before. Um, I think they're now the mindset that they're better with both of them. But whatever you think of James Conner, and this is not meant to cast aspersions on his ability, Le'Veon Bell is better. And they are a better team with Le'Veon Bell. They're better with both of them. Uh, and I think that's the way they're looking. 
if it comes, you know, they lose Cincinnati and they think, well, we can't get back in this thing, um, they might consider it a trade. They might consider one anyway. The Eagles just lost JHI. They've got two second-rounders next year. NFC team, would they consider making that move? I think they're more likely to consider it now than they were a week ago. Why was the defense so much better Sunday, Stan? I thought Joe Hayden and T.J. Watt played terrific. They did. Uh, they absolutely did. Um, you know, Hayden uh, obviously took Julio Jones out of the game. Forget his last number. The rest of that it came at garbage time. I also think that the other defensive backs did a really good job. When you stop and consider, it's not just Julio Jones. Those other two receivers are pretty good. They had the one misstep with Sanu, but they really took Calvin Ridley out of the game. Um, the tight end caught passes, but he wasn't much of a factor. Devontae Freeman was no factor. Um, I, I think Joe Hayden. Um, I do think the other DBs. I thought Terrell Edmonds played very well. I think that he is now going to be your starter. If and when Morgan Burnett's healthy, he becomes the backup, not the other way around. And I'll tell you two other guys who I thought really Watt, of course, but Hayward and Tuitt. Those two guys, they're the key. Yes, I know linebackers get most of the sacks, but it's the defensive linemen who create the push and create lanes for them to get through. So, I mean, a lot of guys played really well, maybe their best game of the year individually, and, and obviously, collectively, it was the best the defensive played. Why was the defense better without Vince Williams? I'm not saying that they didn't miss him as a player, given his experience. I'm talking about without Williams making the calls, because by all accounts, Fortin Matakavich did a real good job in that regard. Yeah, Tomlin was asked that today, and he said he thought he relayed the information, um, you know, really well. Um, Bostic had part of the responsibility. He's new around here, but he's a five, six-year veteran. Um, the thing you miss with Vince Williams, obviously, is against the run. Uh, when the Steelers got ahead, that pretty much took the run out of play. You know, that's the thing he does best, although Vince Williams does a pretty good job rushing the passer. I mean, I'll give him that. I mean, he's pretty good at getting after the quarterback. By the way, I, don't, I, don't, I also don't want to forget Mike Hilton, Mark. Um, uh, he was not there for the Baltimore game. He makes a difference. Uh, and that's another guy who played well. Um, but, I mean, you know, Ford has got some speed. I wouldn't want him in there against the run. But I do think that he um, has earned more playing time in sub-package football. Someone tweeted at me today on my show and said, should he start? No. He's a sub-package football player. You utilize his strengths, which is primarily against the pass, and he's probably a better pass defense, defender excuse me, than either Bostick or Vince Williams. We're talking to the godfather, Stan Savin. He's brought to you by the law firm of Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Stan, how critical is this game Sunday at Cincinnati? It seems like it could be a, a tipping point. If you win, you're a half game out. If you lose, you're two and a half out. And in games like this, the Bengals usually flinch, don't they? They do. They always have. What the Steelers have won five in a row at Paul Brown Stadium. Um, it's a it's a huge game. As much as you can say that about mid October, uh, I really think it is. Um, like you said, if the Steelers win two in a row, three two and one in the division, a half game behind the Bengals, um, and you're right there with Baltimore, whatever they end up doing. Oh, by the way, Cincinnati has to go to Kansas City a week from Sunday. Um, so if you're looking for well, the Steelers have a buy. So if you're looking for maybe a potential equalizer, that could be it. And and I, I think that the mental state of the Bengals is critical. Uh, I thought there were two significant things about their win against Miami. Um, in the Bengals in the past, you alluded to it. You just wait for the E to turn into a U. 
Bengals become bungles. It always happens. They find a way, um, and it may happen again. But looking back at the game against the Dolphins, they were down 17 nothing. Usually that's about when their stripes begin to run. Um, and not only did they come back, but they scored two defensive touchdowns, which is sort of unbungle-like. Maybe this is a new bungle team. I, you know, those two things sort of tell me it is. But then who's your daddy? Um, to them, the Steelers are the boogeyman. And until they can beat them in a meaningful game, especially down there, then you always have to think that there's going to be an issue with them claiming to be a legitimate contender. Well, I'll tell you who the boogeyman is for the Steelers and for a lot of other NFL teams, too. Maybe the league in general is Vontez Burfecht. Yep. What about the Burfecht factor for Sunday? He's the dirtiest player, Stan, I've ever seen, and he seems to deliberately try and hurt the Steelers' best players. Undoubtedly. Um, uh, you know, uh, I bet you Conrad Dobler said, why didn't I think of that? Um, for, for those older folks, remember Conrad Dobler would bite people and everything. Uh you would think that this 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 thug, this pig, would get the message. He never seems to. I mean, he's the Tom Wilson of the NFL. And uh, you would think also, I don't know who is refereeing the game. Um, I don't know who uh, the officiating crew will be. But you certainly would have to think that they would be on notice. And anything that resembles even a borderline should be melt, uh, you know, dealt with immediately. And frankly... The officiating or the NFL should tell both coaches we're watching very carefully, and especially Marvin Lewis and and Perfect. Hey, if if you if you look uh, at, a, at Ben or or Juju, especially Juju, the wrong way, um, you're going out. You're going out. Well, that segues nicely into my next question. I think Perfect got to go after Juju. That's how Perfect's wired, and Juju lit him up last year. He did light him up, and he, you know, he got a suspension for it, which I thought was dubious, but that's the way the rule is. Um, the question is, hey, he can go light him up. The question is, does he do it with a solid shot, or does he look to take out his knees? Uh, you know, that, there's the difference. He has every right you know, to try to get even with him, and you know, coming across the middle, whatever it is, um, but if he goes for the knees or he's looking for a kill shot head high, that's the thing you worry about. Stan, a couple real quick penguin items. It... Uh... The sad news today, Matt Murray's been diagnosed with his third concussion yeah. since his NHL career started. That's not good news, Stan. And that's not only his third concussion, that's his eighth injury since his NHL debut. And that wasn't that long ago. It was December of, of 15. I know. Uh, very alarming. You know, for you know, a guy that young, listen, we know a lot about concussions around here. Um, we know what can happen. Um, hey, listen. Matt Murray came to prominence because of a concussion to Mark Andre Fleury. That shot by James Neal. That's how you know he got his shot. Um, it is very concerning. Everybody's different, um, no question. Um, and not that a, a shot in practice can't be hard. I don't know why, Mark. It bothers me a little bit that it happened in practice. I, I don't know why there should be a differentiation. You know, guys shoot the puck hard in practice too. Um, but but that is bothersome. My first thought was well. Um, you know, is, does that explain his play thus far? No, because it happened in practice, unless there was some lingering effect with something else. I, I know what's going to come next. You should have kept Flurry. 
Uh, I know that, you know, especially with them coming to town, um, uh, even what's happened with, with Matt Murray, even if he falls apart, not physically, but his play, they made the right move. But you can sense that your callers, my callers, that's going to be the next thing. Oh, they never should have let Flurry go. Well, Flurry's been getting lit up lately, too, but he's not, not been concussed, thank heavens. Now, it looks like Ricola may play Thursday and Mata may sit. That's kind of knee-jerk in my mind, Stan. Uh, you have a lot of 11 goals. That's pointing the finger at one guy as much as Mata has struggled. But I am curious to get a look at Ricola. I am, too. Um, I thought when he got his opportunity, um, it would be with Alexiak uh, being the guy to sit. Uh, I have to say that if you're looking for someone to replace in the lineup, and I'll preface my remark by saying I am a huge Ole Mata fan. I think he's gotten a bad rap. I think that people, the year after the thought, we had this conversation. The year after he had the thyroid uh, cancer, um, I, I mentioned uh, on the air, and I, we discussed it, that he was on medication. Uh, my sister was on the same medication for a thyroid condition, and she told me it made her slow and sluggish. She's not a pro hockey player. She can barely walk, um, let alone skate. Um, but that explained a lot, and I was able to find out that Ole was on that medication. So he's gotten a lot of that speed back. I mean, he's not Paul Coffey. I know you've got him on. He's never going to be Paul Coffey. I mean, you know, but I thought he had a terrific year last year. I mean, I really did. That having been said, I do think that his play has really been substandard in games one and two. He's been beaten twice very badly, not the only one, but I suppose that if they were – hell-bent on getting Rico on the lineup based on performance thus far, then it's going to be Mata. Long-term, I guarantee you, barring injury, Ole Mata will be a top-six defenseman and play almost all the games. Stan, as always, terrific stuff. We will see you Thursday on your program. Thanks, Mark. Looking forward to it. That's the great Stan Saverin. I'm the pretty good Mark Madden. Up next, we talk to Bob McLaughlin here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark, love the show. Double M, big fan, big fan. He's a game changer. He's a guy that makes a big difference. Ooh, that's a good one. The X at 105.9. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Bob, what's your take on this A-B situation? He's alleged to have thrown furniture off the balcony of his 14th floor apartment in Florida. Almost killed a grandfather and a toddler being sued by the uh, father of the kid who is a former member of Israeli Special Forces and a Miami real estate magnate. So he got money. He's a tough son of a gun. He's not going to back down. This doesn't seem like a good situation for A.B. And then he lost his Rolls Royce, misplaced it for a couple minutes, and says ADK and a gun got stolen from his apartment it really is an excrement show, isn't it? Yeah, it's unbelievable, Mark. If this was a storyline in Ballers, nobody would believe it. They'd say, well, too much, too much. But, you know, to look at it seriously, this incident alone is serious enough just because of what could have happened, because of the peril that both the toddler and the other gentleman were in, or anybody else that just happened. We're not talking about, you know, this secluded area where he's just throwing stuff out of a balcony. This is at a multi-million dollar establishment, one of the finest places down in Florida, and he's just tossing Ottomans, vases, everything out the window, and it's serious enough on its own, Mark, but as you've been talking about all show, 
it's just getting exponentially more weird now with him because well, it's of, always something. I really do believe he needs therapy. At least anger management. I think it's worse than that. I think he's manic depressive. I think he was all smiles after the game on Sunday. Then you know he goes nuts at the at, at the snap of a finger. I think he needs therapy. And uh, here's a tweet from a guy named Corey Bob. I want to run by. He says, "Call us what you want." A.B. is a stealer and will back him up. Well, if you're backing him up, you should want him to get help. Because just saying this is no big deal, go out and play, that is masking what I think is a very big problem, something very dark that Antonio Brown is in the middle of. Yeah, and that tweet, boy, that's a mess. I mean, what if you're a Carolina Panther? You know, are you backing Ray Carruth? You know, when he did what he did, go down the line of players who have done just horrific things, and you're just going to back that individual because they wear a certain color jersey or they have certain team colors? That's ridiculous. But um, I'm not going to go so far as to say that there are mental problems with Antonio Brown or anything, but obviously there are anger issues. And I'm not even going to say, Mark, that the Steelers aren't dealing with it. I don't know if they are or aren't. But if they haven't up until this point, Somebody needs to talk with him now before something else happens, before he gets hurt, before somebody else gets hurt, because there's no solid decision-making in any of these things. You've got just rage. You're throwing things out of a window. You're not showing up for team meetings, putting the team, you know, their chances at winning the next game in jeopardy. You've got him, you know, talking to the media like they're the cause and answer to all his problems, and yet then turning around and using the media to get out a good message that he wants out there. Uh, definitely have to take this a step up down at Steeler offices. Bob, uh, Matt Murray's concussed. That's his third concussion since he debuted in December 2015 in his eighth injury. I'm starting to get worried about this guy in the long term, and I still have hopes he'll recover and continue what has been a great career to date. And I know it's not Matt Murray's fault that he gets hurt. Mm -hmm. But when he's hurt all the time, that's not the Penguins' fault either. No, and you've talked about the best ability is availability, and I, I agree with you on that one. I mean, obviously everybody's pulling for Matt and hoping that he recovers from this one quickly because that team needs him to back them up, you know, for a successful season. And he's part of, boy, he's part of the main puzzle down there with the Penguins. Um, but you're right. When you talked about all the injuries in the three o'clock hour, I was sitting over here thinking, wow, for just a quick span in the NHL, that is a lot of injuries. Um, like he's talked about, hopefully it's not debilitating. Hopefully it's nothing that's going to be, you know, that it's just going to be block after block after block that these injuries build on. Hopefully he can get right after this one. He's a little bit more protective. Um, I don't want him to change his game and you really can't as a goalie, I don't know what the answer is, but I hope for the team's success and, of course, for Matt Murray that he comes out of this okay. Uh, what if he doesn't? There's then really you no take care of him first. Well, no, no question, and you give him as long as he needs to right. to recover. But uh, they, when they had Flurry, there was a plan B. Right. Now there's no plan B, and I still think it was the right thing to keep Murray and not Flurry. But the injuries to Murray kind of blur the line on – how much you're glad it happened. Well, the other thing, Mark, you've got GMJR down there. You've got Eddie Johnson still down there. These are some goalies who know how the league works, who knows, you know, what a good goalie or a, a, a if something needs to happen. I'm just talking worst case scenario here. Um, you know, I think that Jim Rutherford would be pretty good 
at going out and getting something that would help the Penguins along the way um, because the window is wide open. They are loaded this year, as you've talked about. And if there's a problem at goalie, boy, it needs to be addressed sooner than later. That's Bob McLaughlin. I'm Mark Madden. In just 30 seconds, we talk about the travesty that was the umpiring at last night's ALDS game between the Yankees and Red Sox. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.